Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. As you know, the sentencing of boy A and boy B the day before yesterday certainly has created a lot of debate in relation to how society moves forward. And when we have young boys, and it was an interesting article yesterday in the paper, but they, they said the boys weren't monsters, but it was a monstrous act. And I don't think a lot of people would, do, would agree with that. But they talked about the society that we live in now and the way these young boys um, are fed certain information in their lives comparison to what the information they would have been fed back in the 70s, 80s and 90s, for example, in the very modern world we live in. So I want to get more on that. And I was reading today in the Independent.ie an article by Paul Williams, which I found quite interesting. And Paul is on the line. Uh, Paul, uh, good afternoon to you. Hi, Niall. Uh, Paul, I mean, look, it's a shocking case, quite a unique case. I even see the mother of Jamie Bulger has had something to say in relation. They, she believes they should be named. Now, obviously, they can't be and they won't be. But, I mean, what do you think drives two young boys who have good parents, seemingly, from a middle-class environment to do something so horrific? Uh, the short answer is there is a multiplicity of uh, psychological explanations. Um, it's major contributory factors have to be, and psycho- psychologists will tell you this, um, criminal psychologists, that the, you know, it's the nurturing period. These were 13-year-old boys. Uh, they're children. They've come through, and this is at the, probably the most vulnerable and volatile and sensitive period in their developmental process. You know, we all remember when we were 13-year-olds and the hormones and all the kind of crazy things that we have to go through while we're developing into adults uh, alone, um, and especially that's the first year on the threshold of adolescence. Um, but you because have to we're starting to make decisions on our own then when we get to 13. Well, our parents there's a worrying thing them. about this. Yeah. Why this disturbs people um, on a much deeper psychological level is that now you have to look at society as one uh, large living organism. And subliminally, we we see this and you know why and you always gauge society's reaction to unprecedented horror like this and it the, the subliminal feeling is that there is a germ has gotten into or a disease has gotten into the body we're used to gangland violence we are, are have been there is quite a lot of violence in our society that has become normalized and explicable uh, even though it is completely wrong and horrifying still but when two kids completely malfunction like this, and, I, and the Jamie Bulger case, in fact, I, I did a comparison to that in the Independent piece, and that was that that was Britain's incredibly monstrous uh, child crime, and they were the two young, the two boys who took away. They were ten-year-olds. They were the youngest kids in uh, British criminal history ever to be convicted of murder. These two thirteen-year-old boys here are the two youngest boys ever. Um, convicted of but it, murder. But is, is, isn't there similarities? Yes, isn't there similarities in the case that the two boys in the relation to the Jamie Bulger case saw what they saw on the, the movie Child's Play and they reenacted what Plus they saw? Plus they came from very, very difficult backgrounds, if I recall. Yeah, okay, but, but I think a lot of people come from difficult backgrounds and, and don't resort to such horrific crimes. But what psychologists will tell you, Neil, is that, you know, that, 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 that these uh, it's the developmental process, it's the nurturing process. Something has gone on from the early stages mm. of a child's, and there are different... There was a brilliant piece in the end, though, by a, a psychologist, a, 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 a 
psychologist the other day, and I can't remember her name, I hope she forgives me, but I thought it was a really uh, insightful piece where it certainly did look, and it was the first time it suggested, you know, maybe you have to look at where the family background, what happened here. But all the, all the indicators, as opposed to the Jamie Bulger case, um, would suggest that these are two, there were two, considered to be two quite normal young lads. From a stable family um, background. Very stable yeah. background, respectable people, everything going for them in life. But let's go back to what they did. Um, boy, B, boy A and Boy B, um, clearly, we can now say, we couldn't say this for months, but clearly planned this. Mm-hmm. And Boy B and the judges, you know, I think our judge, our judiciary, they're the people as long as, as well as the guardie who are left to deal and clean up with the mess, clean up this appalling mess. And he didn't accept either of them. He said they were self-serving and based on all the psychological reports he got, boy B is not accepting any culpability. Um, boy A is ex- 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 accepting bits, but in a manipulative way whereby he felt that it could influence the psychologists who were interviewing him and therefore influence the judge's decision and, uh, and what to do with him. But, um, but, but Paul, very, can, very can I interrupt you? Look at, look at these two boys, right? Two ordinary, everyday boys, as you say, from a stable family background, right? And the problem, well, this is just my view that we see in society now is, and I read an interesting article as well by Finstone O'Toole, one of your journalistic colleagues. And he, he said, if we did an experiment and we went back in time, say 15 years, and said, let's expose two teenage boys to graphic hardcore core pornography, violence, and all the other things that's available nowadays yeah. ad hoc on the internet, and see what sort of damaging effect it might have on them. We'd all go, don't be so stupid. You can't do that to young people. That'll be a horrible thing to do. But we're doing it that's every single yeah, day, fact, isn't the it? the next point I was coming yeah. to. You know, the, the, the boy A... Um, Let's just go back to just what happened here, just to recap. And I know people are probably tired listening to this. But well, I, boy, I, don't, I don't think we'd ever get tired of listening well, to how horrific this story was. called for Anna Creasel. Now, Boy B said something very, very disturbing in one of his interviews. And I've been searching. I couldn't find it uh, yesterday or the day before. I was writing a piece for the Indo. And it was something along the lines that, well, Anna Creasel, he was very manipulative. He was very uh, cocky. Uh, he was trying to play. He was he was he was playing a game. He had concocted a whole story, basically. Yeah, but he, he and he was he, he was the guy I found myself focusing on when I read the in depth, the, the, you know, the, the, mm. the reports and analysis of all of this because he, he um, said something along the lines that, and this is what's scary about all of this: that Anna Creasel, because she had, you know, we've heard of Anna's background that she had difficulties and she felt she was bullied. And that happens to kids all that's horrifying, and you're mm. dealing with it all the time. We're, we, mm. we, we hear about it all the time, and, and what's happened has been exacerbated, of course, in the digital age we live in. But it was something along the lines that she had been cast out. Did, did out he not refer to her as a weirdo? Wasn't that yes, the words but he used? Time, but, the, the, but what struck me was the connotation I took when I just heard or read those words was that she was cast out. She was now if you want to get down into the social Darwinistic analysis, you know, think of the Serengeti. She was a weakened creature from the pack, and she'd been separated in, in from their the pack, eyes, yeah. and therefore she was fair game. And I believe absolutely what happened here, they decided let's do this awful, awful crime, without obviously any consideration of the consequences, which of course may be, you know, committant with their, concomitant with their age at a particular time. But when that little girl went into this darkened house 
um, Boyer dressed in this horrific uh, zombie mask. He wore a hoodie. It was dark. It was damp and dank, and it was. It, it was. It, he emerged, jumped from the from the shadows, and he set upon her and committed the most appalling attack on her. I think she showed something like. 50 injury sites which were consistent consistent with a desperate attempt to defend herself um so much so that she actually injured him to try and defend herself and she fought a valiant effort but it was pure terror uh, on a level i think that only we can try to understand from reading the words of all of this and he had this kill pack but one of the things about him as well that the guardie found afterwards and that's going back to what you're saying reference to what Vincent O'Toole is saying there is a big the whole area of pornography and the digital age and I'm no prude by any manner or means but I think it has I'm glad it wasn't around when I was a kid. I'm glad it wasn't so prevalent when my children were growing up. When my I, I, well, there's nothing prudish now. about it, Paul. I mean, look, nobody has a problem with you know adult pornography for over 18 years of age, and we can comprehend that this is fantasy, and these people are paid actors, and that's fine, all right? Sure, look, when I was 13, the best I could get was a you know a, a double-page spread of Mayfair that one of my mates might have got you know from England, and that was all exciting, you know, a naked was woman. Legal, uh, Niall, you awful boy, you. Yeah, but what I'm saying at the time, absolutely. But what I'm saying is. These boys are subjected to, and, and every boy, and, and I'm going to say particularly boys, it might sound a little bit sexist, but I think boys are affected more so by this uh, because of the nature of the fact that we're and boys. Because the hormones are going crazy Absolutely. at 13 okay. or 14. But one of the things, uh, Niall, that, you know, this kid was deeply psychotic and disturbed. He had a predilection for, you know, shocking violence, you know, and it was fueled, I would say, by horrendous, these horrendous pornographic images, images of bestiality yeah, and, these and normal. This child pornography. Normal stuff yeah. that click on if you felt that you were half normal. You know, he assessed, you know, child abuse and bestiality. The Guardi got over 12,000 images of extreme pornographic material from two phones he owned uh, that included animal pornography, child pornography, horse porn and the dark web. And there was another thing as well that sort of told I, the I'm 56, I wouldn't even know how to get onto the dark web. I've heard about it, but I wouldn't, it wouldn't interest me because I, I'm well aware of probably what you're looking for as you go on You were never a crime reporter, you see, no, that's yeah, another thing well, as well. Yeah, okay. But they, they, they also ruled, it, during the trial it was ruled it is inadmissible. This was, a, this was a survey they found on his, on his devices that Boy A had filled out which demonstrates a little bit of how he saw himself. I am strange. I think differently. I feel not much. Um, it, when you take that and in the context of what happened to that little girl and what he did to her, um, it is terrifying. Now, but, have we, but have young people and, and society generally, even maybe adults as well to some extent when we see what goes around on WhatsApp, have we become numb to other people's pain? Have we lost empathy and sympathy and understanding when we see people, you know, I, I saw on Twitter this morning, you know, I was just happy to be scrolling through Twitter. Somebody put up uh, two days ago in Chicago, a man was shot dead. Now, he was assaulting a woman on the street, but he was shot dead. And there's the video of this guy being shot dead. And we're kind of looking at it going in this kind of morbid curiosity, looking at these photographs. And we're becoming almost immune to something we would have That's never been subjected to. I said, you know, it's become normalized. However, you know, the reaction to the Anacrisia case. Uh, shows that there is considerable empathy and humanity out there, and there, you know we can never lose sight of that. Uh, that the, the people were genuinely terrified and shocked by that. In the same week, it was a very it, it's a, it's a sad indictment of modern Irish society, I suppose. When you look at in the three days, in the two days, uh, Niall, you know you had the 
Justine Valdez uh, um, inquest with that little girl, a young woman. Mm-hmm. I call her a little girl. Yeah. I mean, she was a little child to me because my age, I'm just a little bit younger than you. So the, the, she was walking along the road in a complete moment, this guy Hennessy, in a complete moment of what catastrophic psychological meltdown. We will never know why. He decided to grab that young woman off the road and took her away and murdered her. And then he was shot dead uh, quite legitimately by the police because they thought he was still attacking the girl. Yeah. But we'd never know the explanation of that. Then we had this other appalling case, which it does tie into this case, in that a 16-year-old who was deeply disturbed and completely screwed up in the head and with a long history of psychological problems, um, he lures this young Chinese woman uh, to the pier in Dunleary. And he stabs her. And that case was heard. Remember, you, you yes. heard that the other day. Yeah. Like, there were three particularly grotesque. And I would even come close to saying, and it's very difficult to say anymore, unprecedented sort of cases. Um, we don't well, have... Well, Ireland has kind of been immune to this kind of stuff because we are a small country. We have a smaller population, obviously, per head of population. But I, I always believed we were kind of a little bit insular in some sense that even though we had everything else that society had, i.e. the internet and all this sort of stuff, we, we were kind of a little bit immune from it like, because we were nice people. And I'm not saying the British aren't nice, I'm not saying the Americans aren't nice, but we, thought, we saw that stuff as happening in other countries. Well, we saw ourselves as nice people, but yeah. the thing is as well that, you know, the Celtic Tiger years, we lost considerable amount of our soul, our economy is booming again, you know, um, mm. we're, you know we, are, we are thriving like boop. By God, when we caught up to, before the crash, we were the biggest developers in Europe. Uh, we are the biggest uh, cocaine abusers per head of oh, population. We, we, we became, we've, become, we've become materialistic. You know, and, but uh, just in relation to it, but Paul, Superintendent John Gordon says, who you know had overall responsibility mm. for the case, he said these cases raised many questions for many people about the care of young people in our society. Very salient right? point, yeah. Okay, so... How do we change? Now, I know it was suggested, that, sorry, just refer back to Finn O'Toole's article, he said that we should have some sort of a citizens' assembly where we gather together psychologists, child psychologists, internet safety people, everybody, and, and maybe the people responsible for Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and, mm. and I don't know, Pornhub, if that's the case as well, because they're the biggest ones out there. Maybe we get everybody together and say, how can we fix this? And, okay, you know, Pornhub, you want to make your money, that's fine. But how can we stop you damaging young people? Uh, you know, how can we stop, the, you know, Google? Can you do something for us? Can you have, a, like, you know, a Google Junior, like as they do at YouTube, for example? How can we stop young people accessing information that their brain is not fully developed or capable of understanding? The short answer is... I'd say nothing. I think that the, the I remember many years ago the an academic writing about the, the emergence of the digital age and said it was like a runaway uh, juggernaut. Well, it's now more like a runaway train. Um, it is it, the wild west. It is the mad frontier. Like I was just listening to a, a conversation on radio earlier on about um, there's a, a, a conference going on in Dublin today and like RTE. Or, and I know you mentioned about RTE and the, mm. the RTE play a very very important part in our society. And by guys, we are going to be very poor poorly off if it is not saved and kept uh, going because it is it is crucial in our democracy and our society but in the age of fake news and also in the age of media generally the the big giants like the facebooks and these guys they're they're completely they're soaking up advertising and taking and, it and answerable to nobody and answerable to nobody and don't give a shit basically i don't think they give a shit and they are it's funny how 
the art, life can follow art and all of that. When you look at some of the, the, the crazy, unbelievable characters you might have seen in the James Bond movie, there's one character whose name I can't think, he was, he was a media mogul who was controlling the whole media flow around the world online and everything. This was one of the old James Bond movies from, say, the 90s. But how absolutely, uh, if you look at that movie now, with, 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 with the knowledge of contemporaneous knowledge that we now have about all of this, you say, Jesus, whoever wrote that script was quite prescient. They, knew, at, they, they, they knew something was coming down the line. And but look at these individuals, the Mark Zuckerbergs of this world. They're responsible probably for the deaths of more people than any other dictator we've ever had. When you think about it from that point of view, because Facebook, Instagram, um, WhatsApp, not specifically WhatsApp because that tends to be more private groups and stuff like that, but certainly the more public ones like Facebook, Twitter, uh, uh, Instagram, you know, what people are seeing on these are driving young people to take their own lives. Yep. Uh, they're putting people into depression. They've been used to bully people, Absolutely. terrorize people. Yeah, I mean, but so, the, so there's and there's no end in sight. And I, I could see us looking back in fifty years and saying, why didn't we do something about this? I think in fifty years' time that the the, the the evolution process will have moved on. That whereby this is just part of our evolution, and we will be in fifty years' time what we are becoming now. Uh, in the sense that I, I don't think it's stoppable. I, you know, the the unstoppable train. It it's, mm. it it can't be stopped, and it has having. A profound influence. Like I read a book some a couple of years ago in relation to. It was written by a number of academics, and it, it was to do with criminology at the time. But but how the the digital age and late modernity has completely transformed the way we individually think, the way we communicate, mm-hmm. but also then has changed dramatically. Um, and this was referred to by a counselor or a psychiatrist or psychologist I read in recent in the past few days. Um, it is creating, there are people living on their own who don't communicate with other human beings yet feel that they're part of the world and part of a world and are communicating with a certain world and that you're creating these bubbles. Um, Safe spaces, yes. Yes, yeah, so where people can, like I don't do Facebook and I don't do Twitter. Or I don't well, do no, 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 you're right. Them, like, well, what, you do, what we do do is, if you, if you go back 10 years ago, say somebody was homophobic or somebody was racist or somebody was uh, whatever nasty, you know, or just mental generally, right? Mm. They they were kind of shunned by society, right? Yeah. In some sense, by the by the vast majority of society. Now what those individuals can do is isolate themselves and go onto groups, onto Facebook or onto Gaming World or Playstations or whatever it is, and hang around with like-minded people who justify their thoughts. So, so that's the biggest problem, and then that becomes worse. It does, but there is also the other, the other side. The corollary of that is, as well, uh, again, abuse. How this, you know, we live, this, we, we bemoan the snowflake generation, and it drives me mad when you look at some of the nonsense that goes on on the PC oppression that that is going on as well whereby you know you can like i've seen there's there's a journalist whose name i won't mention but the poor guy was accused of something that there was no evidence for uh during the me too campaign and the man's life was destroyed overnight and he has disappeared from public view now the you, there are people who can go and they will shame. Shame is a big word. Mm-hmm. You know, you can accuse somebody of homophobia now if they're not. Oh, absolutely, yes, of course. And then you can destroy them. So th- th- this is used by the so-called righteous ones as well as the... Oh, uh, absolutely, the, the woke the, the viewers. Non, yes. The woke general. In fact, yes. I tell you what, Barack Obama really did uh, sum it up so eloquently and brilliantly, didn't he? Do you remember that, the, that, debate, that discussion he was involved in last week? Mm-hmm. You know, Nobody is perfect, uh, but we have got to a stage now where we talk about uh, 
philosophically about, you know, let's forgive. We're a forgiving society, an understanding society. We're into rehabilitation rather than retribution mm. and all this stuff. But we actually are a more cold-hearted and retributive society now than ever before. And there are people I, I whose know, lives are being absolutely destroyed. destroyed. I mean, and I, I, I noticed that too. I was actually talking yesterday with, oh, the, George, right. with, with the George Hook case, for example, yeah. uh, we were talking but, about. But and George, I, watched the interview, I watched the interview with George last week, actually, on Grip Media. The, the thing about George, Niall, was that... And I didn't agree with what George said. No, not and at I didn't all. Agree with a lot of things George, George didn't said. agree. George didn't agree with what George said. Was that there was an awful lot of people out with their sharp knives, yeah. including people in the bloody media. I've had this experience myself. Yeah. When they think they have you, and they will come after you like a raging torrent, and they will try and destroy you in every way they could. And that happened to me a couple of years ago. And in the end, I was vindicated. And when I was vindicated, they all, the, the madding crowd, suddenly fell silent and went like a mad oh, yeah, let's, for the uh, next bright, let's, bright let's move on to the next one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> let's go. Maybe Niall Boylan said something on <laughs> yeah. the radio show. Let's go and dig him up. Let's just decide to monster him. People, and it was, well, what George said in the interview last week, when he was talking about it, was he regrets the words he used, but didn't regret what he was trying to say. Now, you know, everybody believes, that, and you know, people I've spoken to in media, that could have been handled very differently. Mm. Uh, I'm not going to get into, you know, what news talk should and shouldn't have done. That's the their business, okay? But it I could have been there at the time. Actually, I know, yeah, I, I know, know, no, no, I know you were. It was, but also sitting there wondering, well, what the hell do I do? What do I say? Do I take his side? Do I not take his side? Do I, or will I lose my job if I even say if I stand up and go, well, hold on for a second, leave him alone? The Irish Times led the charge against him in the most ferocious way, and we were I, like, I consider myself a feminist. I have worked. I was the first journalist in Ireland, first male journalist in Ireland, to interview what they were called battered wives back in the 80s and the 90s. I spent time at the rape crisis centre. I spent time doing stories like over and over again for years on children who had been abused, uh, the, uh, the people who had been raped, people who had been beaten, you know, all of these issues. So I consider that a massive insult when people started saying that we were all a bunch of male chauvinistic pigs. We were not. Uh, and I know I have my own Me Too moment many years ago. I'll say it very briefly how it nearly ended my career when a colleague was being very badly abused uh, in an organization I was in. And I stood up for her and the guy tried to set me up, uh, basically got me to. I got caught uh, claiming expenses I shouldn't have claimed. And I was nearly out the door after being in the job for less than a month. And that was because. I was standing by this female friend who was being abused and was very vulnerable and this bastard was bragging about it and that's well over 30 years ago. Um, And, uh, you know, so uh, to be called then a male chauvinist pig because what they did was, Niall, and I I don't know... And I know, I can hear it in your voice how it even now, when you think about it now, it's obsessed you very much. But they just... But it's just the context of what you're telling me about George. Uh, but when you see, when you, when you read that, you just know that even the high-minded, righteous ones are as mendacious as the, the people they're trying to, to nail. And they would decide it. It's great fun. Everybody wanted to get a dig at Dennis O'Brien. Uh, and they, they, they've gone off on a tangent after him for years and years now. And the thing is, let's just, the madding crowd, they went, they go like, a, it's like a... a, a, a an out of control, stampeding. Uh, Und- until they finish with that poor, that poor victim, and then they'll move on to the next. And sorry, Paul, I'm running right out of time. Paul, just in relation to what we were talking about, this is all part of 
what it is growing up nowadays. I mean, I, I don't know whether you agree with the, the suggestion that these two boys weren't monsters, but the act was monstrous. And it was very, it's very easy for us as a society to condemn two you know, boys who come from a stable background who um, were succumbed to this kind of violence on well, the no, internet the and, and pornography and everything else. No, the only thing I would argue back on that one is society must be protected. And what that superintendent John uh, Good said it was was really it really did hit the nail on the head. Society has to be protected. It is not normal for thirteen year old boys to do what those thirteen year old Absolutely boys did. Absolutely not. So therefore, they, they, all the indicators are at the moment that they have not owned up or accepted the responsibility. There is a deeply there is a deep psychological malfunction in both those brains in their hard drives. They cannot be released into society until society is sure that they are safe. And, and that they regret and are genuinely Remember, remorseful for what Jamie they did. In the Bulger case, yeah. even though that happened in 1993, and that, at that time it was, a, it was a video, there was no social media, so we can't blame social media on what those two animals did, those kids. But they turned up when they became adults. One of those guys, one of the, 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 the rationale used by the uh, probation services in the UK at the time, and the best psychiatric facilities that they had, which were way ahead of ours, was that this one of the boys would never reoffend that he was very low risk that he was not likely to reoffend of any kind yet he's been arrested several times for possession of child pornography that's right he actually dressed up as a woman by the way and was catfishing people online that, yeah. Paul, right? well, well listen Paul I, I, have to, I have to wrap it up Paul and I do really appreciate you coming there and I'm sorry for cutting you so short we can have a great conversation again someday maybe you drop into me some night as well uh, we can have a wonderful conversation about how the world has changed um, nobody, um, nobody wanted to listen to that conversation <laughs> for God's sake Paul thank you very much indeed. I right, appreciate you, you there you go Paul, Paul Williams client journalist uh, talking about how society has changed and how we end up having horrific crimes committed like those that crime and the previous crimes he spoke about as well real people real opinions real talk radio the multi award winning Niall Boylan show classic hits